Hey everyone, Jay here. I just wanted to say that we've got some really cool artwork for this episode, so you're going to want to click through to the show notes to check out the full version of the image, which we'll be showing in your podcatcher right now. Our thanks go out to Yuri Keynes on Twitter for working with us to create this piece of art. Anyway, on with the show. Do, 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 do. We're gonna we're gonna rev- we're gonna do like a, a bit of a movie review today, but I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Uh, well, how am I supposed to review the movie if I don't know what it is, Dubus? Because I'm going to give you a clue in the form of a joke. Okay, yeah, I'm game for that. Let's do this. Okay, so Vanilla Ice, a dominatrix, mm-hmm. and a serious roid user walk into a bar. And one of them says... I'm going to barf! Welcome to another episode of the Waffling Tailors Podcast. That's right, I said it that fast and that loud that he knocked Squidgy out of his chair. Ha ha! Here we go. Not out. Goodbye, headphones. Um, no, um, so yes, it is the Waffling Tailors Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Jay, sometimes called Squidgy, and sometimes called Squidgy. <laughs> That's staying in. Hog. I am Jay, sometimes called Caprogman, and with me, the guy you've just heard several times there is Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Hey, there we go. Right, so this is a special episode. We're not actually going to talk about video games, but we are going to talk about something related to video games. Um, I'm off. Oh, well, see you later then. No, no, he dragged me here. I'm off. Being seriously, we're going to talk. Being seriously, being serious, we're going to talk about video games, but not in the same way that we usually do. We're going to talk about uh, video game movies. This is going to be part of a series about video game movies that we have wanted to do for a while, and we're essentially going to build up to what I believe is the only good video game movie. Now we're going to record these ad hoc, and we're just we're not sure when we're going to release them, but we'll just slot them into the release pipeline. So just keep an ear open for those, or an eye open if you're looking at the podcasting list and stuff. Or if you want to know what our favorite movies are, just wait for Arcade Attack to release the episode before us. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> I'm not starting to play more with them. That's I'm only look. No, I'm only kidding, right? Great. Great minds and all that, right? Because this will date the, the recording of the podcast, but not so long ago, just a couple of days ago, the Arcade Attack folks said, oh, yeah, we've just recorded an episode on today's subject. And then, like, yesterday, they said, yeah, we've just recorded a bunch of episodes on all of the Streets of Rage games. And I'm like, for goodness sake, guys, I don't know how you are stealing my ideas. Way to keep them close to your chest, that's what it is. Well, that's maybe it. Hmm. Then again, there's only so many video games and there's only so many video game movies. So it's bound to happen, right? The great minds and all that stuff, right? But that being said, today's subject is the 1994 movie Double Dragon. Now, for this discussion, it's not really a review, but for this discussion, we have renamed ourselves. So your hosts for this discussion, as Squidgy is about to read them out to you. Squidgy, do you want to tell us who the hosts are? The hosts are... Jay's playing Jimmy Lee, Squidge is playing Squidgy Lee, and Derry Lee couldn't make it because he's unfortunately allergic to himself and he can't go for the toilet. 
Fantastic. So, yes, we're going to talk about the 1994 movie Double Dragon. Now, yes, the subject is burnout out and how to right? avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a wrong show, dude. That's Tabs and Spaces. No, um, what so, am I doing on Tabs and Spaces? Well, you know, I'm in the wrong room again. Always. Uh, fair enough. To be able to talk about Double Dragon, the movie, we need to cover the game a little bit, right? So Double Dragon is a series of video games that started in the late 80s, and they are essentially a hold the right button down and bash a punch button to make your way from the left-hand side of the screen to the right-hand side of the screen. Oh, beating everybody up. Oh, yes. Beating everybody up and rescuing your girlfriend, Marion, who has only one job in the entire game, uh, you could tell it was made in the 80s, but has only one job in the entire game, and that is get punched in the gut, thrown over a bobo's shoulder, and and get carried away and kidnapped. Wasn't even a That's bobo, it. it was just a normal street street thug. There you, you go, then. Do you notice that backstory in games from the 80s don't consist of much? Prime example, bad dudes. Yes. Their president has been kidnapped by ninjas. Are you a bad enough dude to go save him? Dude. What right? more story do you need? You say that, right? But that is a perfect eighties action movie storyline. That's all that's all like, that that could have been an eighties action movie. The president has been stolen by ninjas, you have to go rescue him. That could have totally been an eighties action movie. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've seen that action movie. I guess they changed the plot a little and you got commando, aren't you? Well, uh, and is related to today's movie. Um because Alyssa Milano is in both. Different varying See? ages. Six degrees of separation. Waffleation. Six degrees of stitch removal. That's... <laughs> Can speaking, you tell I've had no sleep? Hey! Speaking of stitch removal, so today's movie is indeed Double Dragon. Now, I've said that about 12 to bajillion times. Um, if you're playing along with the Waffling Tiller's bingo cards, you can tick off both... Um, you can tick off both 12 to bajillion. Um, Jay reading out the subject 15 times and us having recorded for 35 minutes without me actually hitting the record button. So well done for, for that, Jay. Oh, no, so, you haven't. <laughs> but yes, so Squidge, drop some knowledge on the the Double Dragon movie. When did it come out? All that kind of stuff. Who's in it? All that kind of stuff. I know you you are the brain box. You are the, you are the brains of the outfit. So tell me a little bit about this movie. Well... The particular movie in question, Double Dragon, came out the 4th of November 1994. So it was like, if you excuse the expression, it was the ass end of that year. It yes. it starred a number of different actors you would have recognized from movies in that time. So, for example, your main antagonist was, to use his official title, Robert Hammond Patrick Jr. Now, for the people who, I'll just say Robert Patrick. Now, that might sound familiar if you've seen TV shows like The Unit, if you've seen the WWE movie called The Marine, or his most, I think, iconic role was as the T-1000, I think it was, in Terminator 2. It was one of them, and it was the liquid metal one. It was the T-1000, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Al Schwarzenegger was 101, wasn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was the T-1000, the uh, liquid metal knives and stabbing weapons. So he was that guy. He was also in the, um, I forget the name of it, but the follow-up series to um, X-Files as well. Area 51 or whatever it was called. It wasn't oh. called Area 51, but you know what I mean. He was actually in X-Files the end of it, wasn't he? Yeah. He replaced... Uh, and, um, X-Files Man, yeah. Yeah, the... the, the, that the one, yeah, uh, the one with the, with the thing, yeah. The, the conspiracy nutter. Yeah, um, That's the one, the one with the thing. Goldie, yeah. Can he, yeah, uh, that's the one. 
yeah. He, he plays Mulder. Yeah. It was. Um, it's weird because when you watch the movie, you've got to realize that someone had to come up with a story for it. Yes. And when you're given an IP, which is Double Dragon, your two brothers are we're going to save a girl, and then if you're playing two play and you make it to the end, you fight each other for the girl. Mm-hmm. How do you create that into a story? Well, you don't. You do what almost every. See, I'm. I feel like I'm going to say this a lot over the next few over this series of episodes. Like I said, we don't know whether we're going to release them back to back or kind of ad hoc. But essentially, in the Waffling Tailors Go to the Movie series, we are going to talk about. I am going to end up saying, if you take the video game license out of the movie, then what you end up with is a generic movie from that time period. So let's take the Double Dragon, we'll come on to what the movie is actually about in a moment, but if you take the Double Dragon license out of the movie, you've got a generic action brawler that is set in in a near future environment that has elements of Predator 2, it has elements of um, a sort of, I don't want to say cyberpunk, but more like a like a disaster movie. It has slight dystopian of, future. Yes, yeah. yeah, the dystopian future. It's it's Predator Two. It's every action movie you've ever seen in the eighties with all the stupid one liners and the ridiculous stunts. Except that it's all done for kids. Except for the jokes that aren't. Like we'll come on to it in a minute. But the the audience for this movie is so varied. Like there's stupid bits where so one of the characters, the guy who plays Jimmy. I've forgotten his name, but Squidge will be able to tell me in a moment. The guy who plays Jimmy, or is it Bit? No, Billy. Billy, right? The guy who plays Billy was unable to perform any of the martial arts moves. So every single fight. Uh, Scott Wolf. Yeah, Scott Wolf. So all of the scenes that Scott Wolf was in, none of them include him throwing a punch or kick or doing anything that's even vaguely martial arts related. And it is obvious to the point where most of his fights revolve around throwing basketballs at people, smashing gumball machines, or uh, making stupid comments, or just literally stepping out of the way at one point. If you've seen um, a movie called Three Ninjas, mm-hmm. uh, Kid Ninjas, Three Ninjas, just three three kids that get trained to be ninjas. The youngest one's called Tum Tum, and he doesn't actually fight. He just he's conveniently there to throw a wrench or drop something. He's kind of like him. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing, because because that that's the idea. He's the comic relief out of the two, right? The younger brother, so yeah, he's exactly less disciplined. Right. That's, that's, yeah, and and yeah, it's explained in in the universe of the movie as he's uh, he's less disciplined because he's the younger idiot. But um, what you'll notice is that he can't do any martial arts, and they specific. And the reason the reason they picked him was because he was really famous on TV, right? But let's just yeah. So so his character provides the comic relief for all the kids watching, but then there's there's subtle things like Channel sixty nine. Yeah. And and jokes nice. like that. Yeah, jokes and references like that that are specifically there for the grown-ups who are watching, but they are so far out of what you would expect an eight to ten year old to actually understand that it's 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 bonkers. Like just the, the audience. But like I said, you take that that license away and you've got a family friendly, fun, silly movie, right? So that's my answer to that is how do you make a movie about Double Dragon? You don't. You take a pre-existing script and do a find replace on it. Much like they're doing with the, uh, the upcoming at the time of recording um, Terry Pratchett's The Watch series. It's a completely separate storyline written about completely different characters. And all they've done is got the license to the control F and they've made it. So I think, I think the less said about that, the better. I'll just end up raging if we talk oh, about that. I've yeah, seen yeah. screenshots of the characters. I love Nightwatch yeah. too much. I'll just end up raging at you. 
Of course, right? So we'll skip past that. We've got a movie that comes out at the back end of 1994, just in time, I guess, for the Christmas release. We've got, um, it's tied into a video game. It's aimed primarily at kids. And, well, it's got um, humor in it. Yeah, as well. at, with adult humor. And it's also aimed at their male parents because of the whole, every time you see Alessa Milano, she's either bending over or doing something slightly provocative to make you go, ooh, okay, and pay attention, right? Like I said, it's <laughs> what did I say before we started? Oh yes, so the character of Marion in the video game has one job, and that's getting punched in the gut, thrown over the shoulder of someone, and getting kidnapped. Marion in this movie, who is uh, who Alyssa Milano plays, has one job, and that's an attempt at rebooting Alyssa Milano's career. Damn! But there you go. What other facts have you got for us, Squidge? Before we get onto the content of the movie, have you got any more facts? Do you mean apart from the fact that the movie's set in 2007? Yes. So right now it's set in the past. Yeah. 13 years ago. Okay. So 13 years ago, everything went to hell. Mm-hmm. The city itself is, is it New Angeles? Not yes. Los Angeles, they call it? Yes. That's that's something I want to get to when we actually start discussing. We won't go scene by scene for the plot, but when we discuss the 10,000 foot view of the plot, there's one thing I want to mention, and that is that the whole world has gone to pot. Um, most of the cities have burnt down and they've rebuilt them. So if there was one tagline for this movie, this would be it, and I'm going to do the movie voice. Double Dragon, where signs explode. Let me see if I could do it in my movie preview, guys. Okay? Double Dragon, a movie where signs explode. Mm. But yes, um, so... Yeah, signage explodes. There's a whole scene where they build up this thing. If you fall in the water, you're going to die. And then they fall in the water and they don't die. There's some. There's a couple of inconsistencies. But again, it's not really... It's primarily meant for fun, right? So I can't really start picking it apart because we'll be here all day. But let's talk a little bit about the plot, right? We've discussed the plot of the video game. You move left to right, taking out all of the gangs in whatever city you're in, looking for your girlfriend, and then you get the girlfriend, and then it's game over. Fantastic. The plot for this one is, if it, yeah, the plot for this movie is ever so slightly more complex. Do you want me to put it very succinctly? Go on, it's the movie The Warriors for Kids. Yeah, yeah. You've got a clown gang. You've got a disco gang. You've got a male gang, the mailman gang. You've got a BMX gang. They rule the night, and then they move into the day when they all unite for a common goal. It's not to kill the warriors. It's to stop ugly and homely, obviously, <laughs> to try and get the other end of that medallion. Get used to that joke, by the way, because that yeah. joke comes up a lot in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've got a few other references, but essentially the the overall group gang mentality of the antagonists that are brought together under the the rule of the main antagonist. It's if you imagine the movie, the warriors, but it's aimed at kids. And I've got a few more references that make sense. I saw in your face, you saw, I went, eh. yeah, I've yeah. got a few more things like that. I had a very critical head on when I watched it. Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 we'll come back to some of those as we move, as we move, move along. But the movie revolves around, it starts and it's very chaotic. Someone's looking, invading some sort of Shaolin temple looking for a medallion. They find half of it and then they burn the temple to the ground. It makes very little sense. Then your main antagonist, which is the aforementioned, when I find it again, can't find it, lost it. Kagoshuka. 
Kagachuko. Well, I'm going to call him Victor Geisman because that's his original name before he he had the idea of bull and bravado. So he renamed himself to be more scary. So Victor Geisman, Mm -hmm. which we will call, we'll refer to as Budget Vanilla Ice. Yes. (laughs) He's sort of walking away as as that town bends. And then you get a very quick two minute explanation of there was an earthquake, there's fog, smog to a point where people can't breathe oxygen's at a premium and gangs rule the night then i'm just going to briefly overview the entire film okay so what happens is you introduce your two protagonists and their coach which is played by i've got it written down somewhere a julian nixon nixon's Juliet, something like that. I had the cast up somewhere. You've, you've got her in. It doesn't matter. Yeah, she's played by a lady. And yeah. what I'll point out is she's in like two scenes and you're yeah. supposed to really, right. really care about it, but there's no character development. It starts off in a competition. You tag in, tag out. They get disqualified because the brash younger brother wants to jump in. Then they kick the crap out of the people who won. Then they have to run. And then the late for care for you. They get surrounded by gangs. They get home, you get treated to a bobo, which, you know, I don't know why they didn't, I don't know why they did it, but someone should have took a spirit level to his hair because his mohawk's lopsided. Um, I'll also point out a bobo is played by two separate people in this movie. One guy not in the suit and one guy in the suit. Anyway, That's so, it, but we'll come to that later. So you, you get, they live in a rundown theatre, their legal guardian who is called um, Satori Imada, but you just know as Satori. She, through one way or another, gets killed. Then it turns into a revenge plot with mm. mystical powers, which is basically your, your main antagonist, which is uh, Victor Geisman. I won't call him Koga, because why? He knows how to use the, the half of the medallion. Our two protagonists don't. And then stuff happens. There is a massive fight at the end where only one of them fight, obviously. You learn about Romulus and Remus because why why not have a kid's a film with educational value in? Mm-hmm. That's why I watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to learn about the future, you know, or the past, future, slash, mm-hmm. whatever. The police essentially grow a set of balls, <laughs> take back the night, and deal with the gangs. And that's essentially it. Yeah, with a lot of, with a lot of, I mean, tell me, I'm, tell me I'm wrong. They do no, no, no. You, the You're end. absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It is like, um, mo- professional movie reviewers will probably say that this movie is a collection of set pieces with plot that hangs it together because that's essentially what they are. Now, a lot of people, I, I sit, sat and watched a whole bunch of reviews and some behind the scenes stuff. And loads of people were like, how do you, they've ruined this game and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Dude, it's it's a movie. Just calm down, right? There was right? no story to ruin. Exactly, right? But what will what I, I would like to break down a few points, right? The first point is budget vanilla rice. Victor Geisman um, is quite possibly the earliest recorded version of a weeb in a kids movie. Like his office decked out with everything Japanese ever. Right? There's suits of armor, there's swords, there's scrolls. He is like a proper hardcore weeb. So right? just just give us a definition of weeb. I don't want to. I am going to give the listeners the opportunity to go Google that 
but that is essentially at your own discretion. Yes. I so, um, <laughs> but I will say that the performance is amazing. Right? It is the proper campy, over the top delivery that you would expect from any kind of movie villain in a kid's movie. Right. And there's a quote by the director who says that I can't remember the exact quote, but it goes along the lines of the protagonists in the movie are in their teens. We wanted to aim this at kids. So we didn't want to give the viewers, the people who put themselves in the shoes of the protagonist whilst they're watching anything that they wouldn't, that they wouldn't feel comfortable facing, which is why the, uh, the big boss, you know, this Victor Geisman isn't really that hugely evil. He doesn't actually do anything that's really that bad. Yes, he blows up the um the movie theater and kills their their guardian. Damn! But that's it, right? He doesn't he doesn't do anything else. He doesn't sell drugs. He doesn't sell weapons. All he wants is control of the city. And it's not a case of I'll get it any way I can. It it is I'll get it by doing this mystical thing, right? I know why he does that, and I know why he sort of turns down. In the beginning of the movie, his jacket's got shoulder pads. As soon as you remove them, he seems more relatable. It's the it's the standard gambit of anyone from the late eighties, early nineties. You take their shoulder pads away, they lose all their power. I think, and I've watched. Believe me, I've watched a lot of crap movies, video game movies, anything, B movies. I love them. And Double Dragon is a perfect example of uh, what's his name again, Robert Patrick. Okay. I think the reason why he's so relatable is because that entire movie, he acts with his eyebrows. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the Emma Watson gambit. <laughs> he acts with his eyebrows. And if anyone thinks different, by all means, come at me, but I'm sticking with it. He acts with his eyebrows. That's where all the talent in that movie comes from. That's what makes him such a good character. It's his eyebrows. So for the folks who didn't get what I, what I said there, the Emma Watson gambit is essentially... Go watch the first three Harry Potter movies and you'll notice every line that's delivered. Um, I'm doing it now and you could probably hear it. Every line that Emma Watson delivers, she moves her eyebrows as if they are connected to her mouth. Yeah, in the first three movies in the Harry Potter film, they had someone who would stand behind her and you wouldn't see the fish wire attached to the hooks to her eyebrows. And every time she talks, someone would just tug on them. Yeah, that's it, right? What it is, is she's delivering the lines and the guy who's doing it is giving Morse code for get me out of this film. That's, <laughs> that's it. I would have bashed too much on about Watson, but yeah. <laughs> so, so get me out of this film. Get me out of this film. Exactly. Ten bacon. I need bacon. You know, tuck, tuck, tuck. Ten bacon. Give me those, give me those eyebrows. I need bacon. You know. We've got that. We've got the setup. There's these two kids. They're in this weird, one-sided tag fight. It's like a two versus one, except it's not. Right? There's only one, in that fight at the very beginning. There's only one antagonist, and yet when they lose, there's then magically two antagonists. So it's like, is it a tag fight? Is it not? But then you see my problem. Right? My biggest problem with this movie, okay, is that only one. Yes, there's only one really big problem. Like I said, you get rid of the, the the license to the video game and it's an okay movie. So I'm coming at it from, I've gotten rid of the license, right? So get rid of the license. 
My biggest problem with this movie is it does not do any kind of universe or world building. So you're thrown in at the beginning and, and you totally, you can buy the fact that there's this, there's this mystical thing, this, this mystical MacGuffin. It's a MacGuffin. That's what it's called. That's the technical term in movie talk is MacGuffin. There's this mystical MacGuffin that if you collect it, you become practically invincible and you can do whatever you want. Yay. And you get this really quick whip cuts set of scenes of the bad guys discovering it. What you don't realize is that in the script, it describes the characters that they're chasing, chasing down and killing as having had no tongues. They've cut their tongues out to stop the spread of the knowledge of where the double dragon is. Right. Yeah. But it's never, never expanded on because that whole scene lasts about four seconds. Right, kind of like chase, 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 explosion, explosion. Yay, we found it! Hooray! That's it, right? And then, and that's your entire world building. Um, that and there's a couple of like little bits that happen, kind of that are thrown at you in the background that describe what's happened to America, right? So you've got the fight. The fight happens, and they're fighting away at the beginning. And then there's an earthquake, and you know this little guy has to get up and start wiggling a jack to somehow stop that dude is from- the MVP of that that scene. He really is. He stole the show in that scene. Just, just him and his cigar, and he's giving it some, making sure the building yep. don't collapse. He doesn't stop. He just keeps going. Mm. And when I saw it, I thought, to hell with the fight. I want to see this guy, see if he can save everyone's life. He's the MVP. They should have, ed- they should have ended the film after that, just him doing that for four minutes. He's a perfect example of that old Rudyard Kipling uh, poem, isn't he? If everything around you is falling down and you can stand at a jack and wiggle a stick whilst you have a cigar in your mouth and not be bothered by the fight that's going on around you, then you too shall be a man, my son, right? It's that simple. <laughs> but yeah, so there's this little bit of uni- tiny little bits of universe building where like, yeah, they have to activate these jacks to stop the building from collapsing, but it's implied that the building will collapse when there's an earthquake or an aftershock. Then after the fight, it sort of whip cuts to the TV and there's Mario and Luigi, except they're not Mario and Luigi. They're budget Mario and Luigi, right? You've got a short, fat Italian in um, a set of dungarees, not a jumpsuit, and a tall, thin Italian um, standing next to him. And they're talking about, come to Jack City and you can buy a Jack, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's Mario. And that is Luigi. That's that's another tenuous link to another video game, right? That's why that, that, that Mario character has got to be played by Ron Jeremy. Looks just like him. Nah, nah, nah. He was played by Captain Lou Albano, like in the TV show. Ron Jeremy was in the Super Mario TV show? I was him to kids. No, 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 no. I'm talking, I am talking about Cindy Lauper's dad. It was Ron Jeremy. In, in the music video, right, to Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Cindy Lauper's dad was played by Captain Lou Albano. Oh, not Ron Jeremy, right. No, I was going to say that, that made everything just a lot darker. <laughs> Indeed, right? So that's essentially the universe world building you get. Something has happened and the bad guys roam the streets at night and then the good guys roam the streets during the day. And like you said, the police are sort of ineffective, right? So, okay, right. So we go back home and there they are and they're they're sitting around talking. They finally get told about the double dragon for some reason. Hey, you're 17 and you just failed at winning this martial arts tournament. So now you're old enough to hear about the double dragon. Right, they hear about the double dragon, and then for no real reason whatsoever, they get stormed. Except for the fact that um, Satori has one of the halves of the double dragon, but it's never explained. Not until like, well, it is explained, but only like when she dies. Spoiler. But she's on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. 
but she's on screen for a total of about four minutes and she doesn't actually say anything to make you want to sort of be affected by her death. And so, you know, you're, you're with the protagonist. You're like, no, don't let her die. Don't let her die. And then she dies and you're like, oh, I think she should have been voiced by Robert Patrick, her entire set of lines. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. I think you should have voiced all of our lines. It'd have been awesome. But slightly before this, right, Obobo, the dude with the mohawk, is uh, he gets kidnapped. Yes, and there's a really, really stupid line. We'll see if we can splice it in. But the line essentially says, Victor Geisman says, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some submolecular steroids. Firstly, what? It's not. They stuck him in a chair and infused him with balloons. Yeah, and. And Obobo, who, until this point, all of his lines are looped. Every single one of his lines are ah, re-recorded. Ah, yeah. Ah. And they don't synchronize at all, right? Nope. And it's just, oh, just, anyway, right. So um, Obobo turns to him and says, essentially, but I don't want to do that because that will hurt and it will cause me to have all sorts of craziness going on in my body. And Victor Geisman turns to him and he says something along the lines of, but Obobo. You're like a son to me. Also, the double dragon is important to me, but also I can always have another son. Yeah. Which is, he's saying, in, in a roundabout way, he's saying, you either do this or I'll get rid of you and get someone who will. Yeah. But it's not particularly written that well, I don't think. Well, that adds right? to the cheese. Hit that in the eyebrows. Adds to exactly, the right? So they throw him in this chair. They do whatever it is that they do to him. And he comes out, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my description of it is is a little bit um, less polite. You know, he comes out looking like an infected bicep, right? Marshmallow man. Yeah, right. He's just every, and it was an attempt to make him look vaguely like he does in the game. Failed miserably. He looks nothing like he does in the game, but also then later on leads to this scene where he somehow develops feelings and looks at himself in the mirror and cries, except, right, the whole scene plays out. He's, he's chained to the floor and he can't leave, right? This is much later in the film. He gets up, picks up a picture from a mirror that's next to him, and it's a woman in a bikini, and he kind of goes, because hey, 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 you know what he's about to do, dear listener. I'm not going to say what he's about to do, but you know what he's about to do. He then looks in the mirror, spots himself, a small tear comes trailing down from his eye, and he's supposed to be sobbing, except he isn't making sounds like he's sobbing. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> now, so let's go back to that explosion, right? So Satori dies and you get these moppy teenagers. Well, you get one moppy teenager because, and right, just, right. They don't explain who Billy and Jimmy's parents are other than your dad went and found the double dragon and then he mysteriously died. So you're left to, you're left to think that maybe his dad is that final Asian character who snuffs it in the intro sequence when uh, Lady McWhip stabs him or whatever she does, right? So you're left to assume that, but you have no idea who their, who their mum is. And I, I, I don't want... Do you know what her understand. actual name is in the film, Lady McWhip? Do you know what her actual name is in the credits? I, Linda Lash. Linda Lash. Yeah, because she's named after one of the characters that has the whip, which is why um, there are characters with whips in Streets of Rage, right? It all fits. But, right, you never find out who the kid's parents are other than who their dad is. So you never find out who their mum is. And I don't want to have to play the race card, but one of them's Caucasian and one of them is Asian. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just like you have to kind of explain how what's going on here, right? So let's move past that. So yeah, you've got Moppy American badass teenager who sat there by the by the riverside going, Oh, it's the worst. We've got nowhere to live. We've got we've got no one to look after us, although we're both nineteen, so somehow I don't understand why we need to be looked after. Mm. And then and then martial arts man, the one of them that can fight, comes and walks over and goes, Get over yourself and throws the guy's pictures into the ocean. And that's it. Once they've done that, he's somehow over the fact that they've lost everything. Just, yep. just. So the next time you're upset, Squidge, take a bunch of photos and throw them in the river. Right? You'll just, just feel just, just fling it into a tree. Just <laughs> yeet that stuff right into the river. Just yeet your photos right into the river. That's how you guys walk right? outside and fling it into a tree. <laughs> That's it. Fling whatever it is into a tree, and you'll feel so much better. So. Don't work like that. I don't live in Hollywood land. No, thanks. And then they decide, let's go for a walk. Whoops. Now we've walked into the fight scene set piece. And there's a fight scene. Like Squidge says, there's this, there's mimes and clowns and disco dudes and mailmen. And what in the hell is with that mailman? Emil! Yeah, right? Like, that is something straight out of a wrestling match. Because that's the only place that would make sense. I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, the first time Jimmy, so the Asian dude, mm-hmm. right? The first time he fights one of the disco guys. Mm-hmm. Tell me you saw this as well. Did you expect Dwayne the Rock Johnson to turn around? I did not. I didn't even spot that. It wasn't in it, but it right. looks so much like it. Just um, imagine, right? Dwayne the Rock Johnson, when he was in that 70s show with the wig, fighting all the... <laughs> But put, put put a disco share on him. Oh, right, exactly okay. the same build. And I I paused it and I went, please tell me Dwayne Johnson's in this, but he wasn't. But you know when you think, tell me he's in it, please, 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 please. But he wasn't. I was so disappointed. Maybe when the episode is released, we have to uh, at him on Twitter and see if he really was in it. Scooches <laughs> furiously shaking his head and yeah, disappearing no, no. further into the back of his chair than I've ever seen him. <laughs> have, have you noticed that the um, it's pronounced wrong, but the the village at the beginning where they get the uh, the medal from mm-hmm. is called Shang Tsung. Yeah, Shang Tsung. That's how, it, that's how it's pronounced, but it's Shang Sa, so S A. Right. So they got the medal from Shang Tsung, which is just ill. Yeah, also, right. Just... Also, one thing I noticed is Shang Tsung got a really crappy haircut. Yes. Yes. And and discovered what a really bad jacket looks like. You know. It makes me wonder, right? It makes me wonder if they got it from Shang Tsung, right? Did they have to did is there a deleted scene somewhere with Christopher Walken saying, I carried this thing up your daddy's he died. Of medallion up your ass disease. He died in Mortal Kombat and I stole it from his body. (laughs) That was a really bad impression. (laughs) That's it, right? So maybe that's it. Maybe they got it from Shang Tsung, but via Christopher Walken from Pulp Fiction. I don't know. You've just added three million to the cost of the film. You realize that, right? Just having Christopher Walken. (laughs) Which is about three million dollars more than the initial budget of this movie, by the looks of it. Well, the initial budget was like 45p in a packet of crisps, you know. That's it, right? <laughs> okay, let's let's go back to two or three scenes, right? They're driving away from a Bobo and the Mohawks crew, right? And 
for some reason that is not explained, their car doesn't use gasoline. It doesn't use petrol. They have to put rubbish into it, right? And so they drive past these uh, bins and he reaches over and grabs some rubbish, throws it in the combustion engine. And then they go, hey, we got some cheese whiz or a can of spray cheese. Cheese whiz? We'll put that in. That'll work, won't it? It goes in and it fires off and they get out, they get away for, excuse me, for a little bit. Yeah, so off off they drive, right? Before Squidge comes up with his point, I just want to say this. I just want to... Right, okay. So they drive, 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 drive. They come out of a tunnel and Jimmy says, let's see you get around this one, sucker, or something stupid like that, right? Look at this amazing move I'm about to do. And he turns right. That's it. That's his plan for getting away. He's just, I'm just going to turn right. And he gets away by turning right. Like, what? Just two things about that particular part of the movie. First of all, cheesy in- engine, gnarly. <laughs> and second of all, is it just me? Or is that the slowest car chase scene ever? Oh, definitely. definitely. I, was ex- like- I was expecting a pensioner on, an, on some sort of mobility scooter to overtake them. Oh, yeah. And, it- and why is it that he can control his truck via a joystick? Because video games. And then the guy who was next to him seemed to be better at controlling the other guy's joystick. I'll point out, mm-hmm. right? I'll point out, right? The 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 slightly wiry guy, he's called Hawk. But he moves like a chicken. Bark? Yeah. All of like the moves that he does, he sort of twists his head a bit and sort of like he behaves like a chicken. So it's like a it's supposed to be if you're really paying attention, except they never say his name. So you'll never know he's called Hawk until you watch the credits and go, Oh, he was called Hawk, but he behaves like a chicken. Oh, I get it, it's an ironic name they gave him. That's kind of silly. But it takes all the way until the very end of the movie for you to figure that out, which is a bit silly, right? But so Hawk is controlling the, the the joystick and Jimmy gets away from them by turning right. And he's going to check out this sick move. And he turns right. Like, is this a gnarly. world where you, where you can't? Yeah, gnarly. That's what he says. This gnarly move. Is is this a world where you can't turn right? Is that is that what, what the deal is? I don't understand. You probably need a, light, a separate license to turn right. Ah, okay. Fair enough. So yeah, they turn right, they get away. Brilliant. Okay. So then... I even lost where we're up to in the film, but there you go. Right, so Abobo has been transformed, and um, they've walked into that fight. Airmail splat. Right, okay. So in what world would anyone climb up a really tall tower, wait for someone to walk by underneath, and then jump off and attempt to essentially match your man Randy Savage elbow drop their way to Splatinum? That is never going to work. Nope. Unless you are indeed Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> so then, yeah, they, they they run away. And there's this almost this, they run away from that fight, which is kind of a clever thing to do. They kind of defend themselves and run away. But that is only because Billy can't fight. The actor playing Billy can't fight. And they have to build in this, this uh, comic relief. But the comic relief doesn't come yet because they break into this little shack and there's like, oh my goodness, a motorbike, let's get on this and we can somehow get away. And Billy sits on it, tries to start it up and it falls to pieces. <laughs> Except Weida realizes that essentially it's become a zombie movie at that point. They're trapped in a shack and the the, yeah. the psychos or whatever you call them, the maniacs, the zombies are trying to break in through the wall. And, and this is where they say, you don't fall in the water because if you fall in the water, you die. Yeah. It'll rip the skin right off of you. And so they they jump on this speedboat and speed off into the into the distance where signs explode. 
after, after dismantling the bike. Yes. And and prodding Hawk in the eye with a broom. That's it, yeah. There was that wonderful bunk. He pokes him in the eye. Hawk turns around and starts crying, and the, the big buff dude gives him a hug. Yeah, cry on my shoulder. Cry on my shoulder. It's all right. That's it. Yeah, right. But anyway, they set off on the speedboat, and there's these two jet skis coming along, and they have the jet skis are equipped with rocket launchers. And I'm sorry, but the rockets are the most comically oversized rockets I have ever seen in anything ever. And I am including in that description the rocket that Sega Tarsanshiro saves Sega from and rides off into the sky and then explodes. It is just... I was expecting to see a string. You know, like um, Red Dwarf (laughs) style, you know, where it goes across. I was expecting to see a string. You could tell there was an explosion in the background and they just added something onto it. But I will say, especially that section with the jet skis, the stunts were really well done. Oh, yeah, definitely. The stunts were brilliant. The the rocket effects, not so much. (laughs) And whoever came up with the idea of you going to a sign and it explodes. Genius. It's from the um, from the Miami Vice School of Driving, was, right? I was going to say Michael Bay. But <laughs> it's Miami Vice meets Michael Bay, right? You drive into some boxes and an explosion happens. Yeah. And after that, the, the enemies think that the, the two brothers are dead. They're the searching the canal. Because they fell in the water, except yeah. they fall in the water. And they're like, oh, let's just ignore the fact that I've just said you're going to die because you fell in the water. And then one of them makes the stupid joke of, I heard that you- for a week. Yeah, if you swallow some, you get diarrhea for a week and for a week and your hair falls out. And that's that's it. That this this horrendous water that can strip your skin from your butt actually just gives you a bit of bit of the runs, which is still pretty bad, but I mean Well, if it's aimed at kids, kids don't want the runs, do they? Oh of course, yeah. right? Now the parents to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> they climb out and they find the entrance to the power core. The um, wrong entrance. Yeah. I de- you know what? I genuinely love that joke. That is brilliant. It's like, please use the other door. And Billy goes, we have to use the other door. Jimmy goes, no, no, no. Uh, effectively, he says, I'm the older brother. I know best. We're going to go in through this door. And then they fall down a massive chute because they went in through the wrong door. And they get threatened by um, Girl Scouts. Yes. Yes. Again, another gang from um, from the Warriors. It's another gang. It's the Girl Scouts. It's they not the orphans. It's the Girl Scouts. You know? All of these all of these references it is the, the Warriors. I've got a few of the movies he's referencing clearly, but I'll mention that. I'll I'll go through all of my points at the end. So. Oh, of course, yeah. So they decide to join forces with the Power Core. The Power Core is led by a character played by Alyssa Milano, who is um, the Marion. Yeah, Marion, right? Who is essentially the woman who gets punched in the gut, kidnapped in the game. You yeet her over the shoulder and wander off. But in this one, she's like the leader of the resistance, but she's also the daughter of the, the police commissioner. So there's like a duality that you would have never seen coming, right? And yeah, so they, they side they, they side with her and they go, well, let's go, let's go get them somehow. Um, uh, but then they find out that this is where they've, they've captured a Bobo, right? And they've been trying to get some information out of him by somehow force feeding him spinach, right? Now, I get that spinach isn't very tasty. And I get that this is a movie for kids. But what in the hell is force feeding spinach going to do to someone other than make them fart like a thing that farts a lot? Well, I mean, the whole point of a bobo in this film is don't do drugs in it. Yeah, pretty much. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. He is a PSA for this is your body on drugs. Hmm. Which is why he has that scene where he's like, look at me, I'm a monster. And why he has that... Uh, Someone just give him a pin, he'll pop a balloon, it'll be fine. 
That's it, right? That's it. Or you could just take off the prosthetics. It's fine. Just, just peel them. That's it. So they side with with Power Core and they try and storm the. Well, they try and sneak their way into Geisman's, um building to steal the 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 evil side, the the power of the soul side of the Double Dragon. But at the same time, Alyssa Milano's character's dad is there, and he's he's being bribed effectively. And he says, "I don't want to bribe you. Can stick your bribe where the sun doesn't shine, matey." Is essentially what he says, but he doesn't say it like that. Um, and he decides and, to call off the truce, doesn't he? Yeah, right. So that's where you get your your other bit of universe building is that the police and the maniacs, the police and the this executive Geisman are in cahoots to try and just sort of just it's almost like a it's almost like a controlled. It's the police chief and the gangs mm-hmm. who is at that point before uh, Budget Vanilla Ice takes over, mm-hmm. you've got the guy who's who voice who, who's the voice for him, who's the guy from the Hills of Eyes. Um, yes, Baldy Man. Yeah, yep. Baldy Man, that guy who, that's a skin condition, by the way. Oh, right, it looks skin. like that. It's an actual right. skin condition, and he's got work doing that. I can't remember his name, but anyway, um, they have an agreement enough. saying that during the day, mm. the gangs wouldn't do anything, but during the night, the gangs would run free. That's how they keep yes. the equilibrium for about seven or eight years. Yes, and then Budget Vanilla Ice comes along, breaks the agreement, and says, give me um, homely and ugly. You know, all work together and get them. It's that joke again, right? You have to really, really like this joke. That I, I, I guess it's racist. Is it a racist joke? Because their surname is Lee, and they attach a, a, an adjective to the beginning of it. And isn't that funny? It's kind of like another word. But anyway, yeah, you have to really like that joke. Because guess what? Almost every character in the movie is going to say it at some point. So then, yeah, so they, they try to steal the, the other the other side of the double dragon. It goes goes badly wrong. And um, and Jimmy gets captured through a series of events, right? But the, the event is they run into this room where they did the steroid injection on, on a bobo and they get trapped in there uh, through a series of strangeness. Uh, but they get attacked by what I can only describe as zombie Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, does those those bodies are meant to be in suspended animation. One thing that I did realize very quickly via looking is that you had this guy who's clearly been experimented on. He's about nine foot tall. Mm-hmm. He's got a basketball jersey on and it mm-hmm. says tower. Mm-hmm. So he's high tower. Yes. Which is police Academy reference, yeah. which is he was taken. You don't really get it until later on, but he was taken over by budget vanilla rice. He's got power over spirit so he can embody he can put himself in a body and take control of them. Mm-hmm. He takes control of that. Then he takes control of another body down there. Budget Tin Man. Budget Tin Man. He grabs Jimmy. Then um, what's a face and Billy have to skadoodle. Then Billy tries to. He all t- at the end of the movie all takes part in the in the power core. Yeah, base. they go back. To, yeah, that's right. They go back to the power core base, and and Billy's like. I don't know how to activate this thing. I don't know how to activate this thing. I can't do this by myself. Yeah. And Marianne looks at him directly in the eye and says in a very suggestive way, Hey, why don't you just rub it? As if to say, Hey dads, <laughs> this is funny, isn't it? We're talking about masturbation now. This is kind of funny, right? <laughs> hey, you just imagine it. That it, Can you imagine the script, right? It, it sort of going like, how do I do this? How do I make this as awkward as possible? They they obviously threw out the line where it was, hey, yeah, like your stuff. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
Exactly. But whilst so they're having a it. <laughs> that's right. But whilst they're having a laugh and a joke about that, um, the, all of the essentially all of the maniacs storm the building and they break in and they start this big old fight where everybody fights except for Billy because he can't actually fight. And act- all of the kids suddenly turn into stuntmen. No kids fighting that. In oh that yeah, scene. yeah. There's, there's no there's no one uh, who's shorter than about five foot two. Everyone else, like Melissa Milano. Well, yeah, of course. Um, but everyone in that scene is a fighter or a stunt person except for Billy. And he's like, you can see, if you watch certain scenes of it, you can see the worry in his eyes. He's like, oh, crap, how am I going to get around this? I've got to be in this position. I've got to be in that position because he wasn't a stuntman and he wasn't trained as a martial artist. So anyway, right. So then Jimmy turns up and Billy's like, hooray, Jimmy, you're back. And Jimmy beats him up. And he's like, oh, no, Jimmy, you're evil again. Oh, no. And then they have this scene where um, that uses the most egregious version of a reversed backflip I have ever seen, right? Jimmy jumps up onto this platform where the where the arcade machines are, and then, uh, sorry, Billy is thrown up onto this platform where there's a bunch of arcade machines, and Jimmy jumps up, except they use footage of the actor playing Jimmy backflipping off of the platform down onto the floor, and then just reverse it to make it look like he leapt forward and rolled in the air. That must be one of the um, extra powers of the spirit half of the double dragon. You can that's you can it. play stuff in reverse. That's it. But what you find out, like Squidge hinted at earlier on, is that the 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 power of the soul, the soul, the the side of the double dragon that the big bad guy has, Geisman has, allows him to take over the soul of someone and use their body to attack. Right. So it's, it's Geisman in this body. Except that there's this missed opportunity when they get up into the arcade. Billy gets backed up into a double dragon cabinet and you can see the words double dragon above his head and you're like, yeah, they're going to make a joke about the game or he's going to kick it and lots of coins are going to come out and he just, nothing happens. Punches the screen, it cracks a bit. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, although I did I did actually play a, a game of try to name all of the arcade machines that they've spray painted over the name because they can't display the name of it because it's all still in copyright. It was a fair few. Yeah, so if you know any of those machines, dear listener, Send us a message. Let us know which ones you spotted, because I spotted Joust and Centipede and I think a Paperboy. But it'd be interesting to find out which other ones you all spotted. Did you spy any Squidge? I think there was, it was like I had to pause it because I don't don't own the film. I watched it on uh, Amazon Prime. I had to pause it. I'm pretty sure I saw Nark in there in the background. And I remember seeing that in the, the Turtles film. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I'm pr- it was like a fleeting second, but it was it was really blurry. But yeah. I recognised the letter, and I thought, yeah, that's so yeah. quick you can get away with it. But I saw you, I saw you. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is that the TMNT has it in the ge- in the movie, and they actually use like a split second of the video footage of the game in the movie as well. Uh, so stage three boss fight, I think it is. It's, it's yeah, a boss right? fight. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so yeah, the fight scene happens, and Jimmy uh, Billy goes, "Get out of my brother, Jimmy." And he gets out of his brother because he grab because Jimmy grabs the other side of the medallion, links them together, and then no, what happens? That guy that's- gets it first, doesn't he? Budget Vanilla yeah, that- Ice gets it first. He splits himself into two. Into yeah, yeah, that's a- what I mean. Yeah, so 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 he comes out of Jimmy's body and grabs hold of the other medallion and goes ha 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 ha, and they both there's that joke. Oh shit! Yeah, you said it. Yeah, right. There's this there's this wonderfully silly bit where they're about to say they get to oh shit. And like Squidgy says, yeah, he turns around and says, you said it, brothers. And it's the second time it's used, he actually says, oh, shit. 
role. Yeah, the, the role reversal. But yeah. he puts these things together, and instead of him becoming some all-powerful being, he disappears, and two demons holding rubber swords appear. And they're waving the swords around, right? And again, it's blatantly obvious. Imagine bu- budget Yoshimitsu. Yeah, right. Budget Yoshimitsu. With, so, with green rubber mask and yellow teeth. So the budget Yoshimitsu twins appear. And at that point, if you haven't spotted it already, it is blatantly obvious that the guy playing Billy can't fight. And he has no martial arts training and doesn't know how to do any kind of stunts. Because the guy playing Jimmy, he's fighting away and he's waving swords and he's kicking he's his arms. It. Yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. martial artist, that guy. And he, he really does make it look good. And Billy kind of backs away and goes... You won't get me, and then runs away. <laughs> That's essentially what he does, right? So then, yeah, all this chaos is happening, and and there's another reference to the video game. So um, uh, Marion in the game, in one of the games, is found in a hospital, and uh, when she ties up um, Lily Lash, she says, "You're lucky. I usually put people in the hospital." So they get knocked out. I, I, one yeah. thing I did like was when she get knocked out. Just hair just sliding out in her face going, I thought that was awesome. And just and uh. it's played as if it's accidental as well, because one of the goons runs past and turns around and accidentally whacks her in the face. And she kind of just like slowly loses consciousness. Out, out of all of the movie video game movies I've seen, that's possibly the best knockout section I've ever seen. Comedic knockout yeah. section. It just it was it was one of those, I guess they did it about five times, and it was the yeah. one time where they just recorded it and didn't think. It was the best without direction. I've got oh, a feeling that yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, fight, 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 and they're taking on both of the both of the the two budget Yoshimitsu's. Yeah. And if I'm completely honest, I've absolutely I can't remember how they take them out. Can you remember how they take them out, Scridge? Uh, let me think. I watched it yesterday. They they end up stunning them. They get the medallion. They get mm-hmm. the classic blue red suit. They yeah, comment they on it. Yeah, steal the medallion off of them, don't yeah. they? But I can't remember how. Right? It just, it just flies <laughs> off the enemy. Oh, okay. If I remember correctly, right? Then they activate the powers, the the costume changes, and then they proceed to beat up Geisman, who has no martial arts training. So they yes. beat up an unarmed guy, and then Jimmy takes control of him, and yeah. then does a classic thing of "Why are you hitting yourself? Slap! Why are you hitting yourself? Slap!" Yeah, that's you see that bit, right? So the whole point of these of these medallions is that they give you this infinite power, right? So. Billy is given the power of life, whatever that means. No, Billy is body and Jimmy is soul. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, so Jimmy gets given this power of taking taking control of anyone's body and making them do whatever he wants, right? So he takes control of Geisman and, like, he makes him sit down and slaps himself a few times. And then, then he says, do you know what? Do you know what, police? You could do with loads of money. So here's loads of money. Here's 129 million and cuff yeah. me. Yeah, and then he jumps out of his body, and it's like, eh, and that's when least, the police show up reporting for night duty. Yeah, least satisfying ending to a bad guy ever. I can totally see why they did it because it's primarily aimed at kids. It's like if you, even if you do badly and then you do well at the end, you'll still be rewarded for doing well, right? But I, I and I think you're about to do it, Squidge. I'll let you do that wonderful line that Geisman gives just as he gets in the car. Do you remember the line? If you think I'm bad, wait till you see my lawyers. 
best line in the movie. I've got a real problem with the actual ending. Now, it's not the music they use. I can understand. Yeah, I, I, I do not get that. Yeah, really weird music choice. Yeah. The ending, well, it's all together now. There's a Bobo joining, what have you. Yeah, because, yeah, I get it. Thematically, it makes sense, but it's still a very weird choice. Billy has the medallion of body. Yes. Jimmy has the medallion of soul. And yes. it's implied at the very end that Billy is in the body of a Bobo to wind him up when he yes. doesn't have the medallion for it. Yes. Yeah, right. It's like confused. It's like it's like, hey, you have the red key and I have the blue key. Don't worry, he's gone through the blue door. Ah, no, he hasn't. Yeah, right. I get it. It was kind of like a let's do something really silly as a joke for the end of the movie. But they could have done it a lot better. And yeah. it, am I the only one who has realized that when in that movie when Alyssa Milano, Sorry. <laughs> when Alyssa when Alyssa Milano screams her neck becomes wider than her head. Am I the only person who's noticed this? Noticed this? When she screams, she she suddenly turn, turn, transforms into that Mike Tyson neck, you know, all yeah. muscle. <laughs> no, no, no. She transforms into the Dilapidosaurus or whatever it is from um, the first Jurassic Park movie. You know, the dinosaur that doesn't exist that they made up for the movie. I was I was thinking more of Patrick from SpongeBob where he goes, ah! <laughs> yeah. There's just no. It's just head and body. There's no neck. I, I feel really bad for it, but you know she's never going to hear this. So yeah, and but yeah, so yeah, and then they the they end with oh jeez, oh, the two goons, right? Geisman's goons are called Huey and Lewis, and when the only line that he says directly to them is, "Hey Huey, hey Lewis, any news?" <laughs> because obviously all eight year olds are going to know who Huey Lewis and the news are, right? In the mid nineties. To get a feeling that was one of the actors going, I want this line in. Yeah, right. Or or it was just a case of, we'll just just give them some throwaway names. And then I get the feeling that maybe there was supposed to be three goons, uh, Huey, Louie, and Dewey, like um, like the kids. DuckTales reference, yeah. DuckTales, yeah. But then they must have just dropped one because they realized, well, we can't have three if they're fighting two. Um, yeah, you've got the, t- the two most stereotypical Asian actors playing the goons. That have been in everything. Die Hard, everything. Every single action movie, like these guys worked throughout the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, right? You look up these guys' names and you will see their names attached to huge movies in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, right? Big Trouble in Little China. Exactly. Uh, like you said, Die Hard. Um, I'm pretty sure that one of them was in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. They they are in, if you can think of a martial arts or a movie that, that requires martial arts or requires an East Asian bad guy, goon, just a throwaway bad guy, that was made in Hollywood between 1977 and 1995, them two are in it. They are required for these movies to work. I, I can't say this without sounding racist, so I apologize in advance, but the one with the tash? Yes. He was the torture in Lethal Weapon. He was. He was. There's no way I can distinguish between them both because they've both got long hair and one of them has got facial hair, the other one hasn't. So it's the only way to do it. Yeah, it's the, so, yeah and that's where the credits roll. Do you, do you want me to run through some of yeah. the notes I've got? Let's talk through some of the notes and then we'll talk about what we think of the film, right? Have you ever wanted to see Julia Nicholson's floating head? Double Dragon is the movie for you. <laughs> It was when they finally figured out how to use the medallion. 
Her head just showed up with, with tinsel I around that it. Bit, right? That bit which just has made no sense, right? They've got the they've got the medallions, they're in the middle of a fight, and then everybody just stops for the Simba moment. Yeah. I, I think it's that green sludge. They either got a whiff of it or they all drunk it beforehand, and then suddenly, where were you when the drugs kicked in? <laughs> clearly, clearly the green sludge is the use from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So so there's that. Let me so Budget Vanilla Rice actually narrates the film at the beginning. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Which I was I was a bit skeptical because I thought when I first started watching it, when I first started watching it, I thought this is probably why he didn't talk that much in Terminator 2, but he is he's That's... really good as a campy bad guy. Oh, I will definitely. say. And then further on his in his career, the different roles he took it's just it was unusual for me to see him in a speaking part other than call to john now yeah right like hey guy nice boy yeah i have i have a newfound respect for this guy and i'm gonna go find a whole bunch of movies that he's been in especially where he's been bad guys he's a there's a tv show called the unit yes and it's um he's the kernel in that and he plays a really good part he's really good in it I would have eyes tracking it now. It's, it's just, even if you see a couple of episodes, it's really good, isn't it? Sure. So let's see. This this will give some sort of context for what I'm about to say. So, Escape from New York, 1981. The Musketeers, 1994, February, so beginning of the year. Robocop, 1998. And Mortal Kombat, 1992. Now, with those films that I've just said, tell me, Double Dragon does not take inspiration from every single one. So you've got Escape from New York, the dystopian. Hawk is the is the guy from the movie who shows him the president's finger, the really nutty guy who gets poked in the eye. Okay. Then you literally got, gets poked in the eye in Double yeah, Dragon as well. Mortal Kombat. It takes a lot of inspiration from that. Mm-hmm. Robocop, dystopian future. You've got the fog machines. You buy oxygen to, to breathe it in. Okay. Just one of the things I just want to say real quick about the oxygen thing, right? It's a throwaway scene. It kind of happens in the background. Well, it's in the foreground, but your view is supposed to be in the background. And there's these two executives, and one of them starts using an oxygen, is basically an oxygen mask attached to a telephone line, a telephone, an old school telephone box. And you hear them arguing, hey, give me some of that oxygen. Hey, man, wait your turn because I've just started, right? What's really interesting about that is that that is an idea that had appeared in a 2000 AD novel two years before that. Yeah. It was in a Judge Dredd 2000 AD graphic novel. So it's like maybe they're taking ideas from yeah. 2000 AD as well. Sorry, Squidge. So it's got themes from – it's got inspiration from Escape from New York and Escape from LA because it's got – I mean, who doesn't want to see a movie where you have a shark trying to kill you in submarine, right? So it's got it's got Escape from New York. Yep. It's got um, inspiration from Robocop. It's got inspiration from Mortal Kombat and – in my opinion, it's filmed like the Three Musketeers movie, the Disney Three Musketeers movie, because it's got that really high budget look to it, right? Really high budget. Some of the lines fall flat, <laughs> let's face it, but it's got that really high budget look to it, and it's got inspiration from all over the place. If you if you look at it critically, you'll see it. Okay, so let's see. So I've got the slowest high-speed action. Um, it's Escape from New York for kids. It's the Warriors for kids. Shams- Shang Tsung got a crappy haircut. Um, <laughs> Did you notice? Did you notice in the backs of so Huey and Lewis, right? The two Asian dudes, right? Those two symbols spray painted on. 
They had yin, the yin yang symbol spray painted into the back of their heads for no reason whatsoever. Do you know what it looked like to me? It didn't look like a yin yang. It looked like someone spray painted with white spray paint the Costa Coffee logo. <laughs> I thought. I honestly thought it was the Costa Coffee logo. Maybe that's what you get when you fill up one of those cards for you know your bonus points. You just so spray it in the back of your head. head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So <laughs> one of the things we didn't know about Jimmy in this movie is that he knows a sacred form of martial arts called broom foo. <laughs> yeah, he takes the broom, kicks the thing off, and he's like, whoa. He uses it as a weapon, and he has the end on originally, and then he smacks <laughs> it off. Whereas Jimmy in that scene just smashes a gumball machine. But he uses the ancient martial art of broom foo. You mean you mean Billy? Yeah, Billy takes a he takes a skateboard and smashes the glass on a gumball machine. Whereas Jimmy's beating someone up with boom with broom foo. Broom foo. Yeah, look out for it. Right. So I'm going to hit you with a few things that might surprise. So is it just me? No. Or the first time a Bobo shows up and he's roided up? Well, after they've injected him, yeah. Yeah, when he shows up in the theater before he gets set on fire. And it looks like an in- infected bicep, yeah. I was expecting him to yell stars. Stars. <laughs> the dude's nemesis. You can't hit him. He throws you all over the place. They kick him down. He gets back up. Tell me it's not nemesis. Maybe someone needs to do a recut of the film where every line he he delivers after that point that is not like because there's parts of, oh that that's how that's how they got rid of you've just reminded me that's how they that's how they beat the um geyserman in the guise of those two uh bad guys is he turns up after you know he breaks out and he's, lights yeah and he's, he's he's upset with himself and he's upset with what geyserman did to him so he says to uh marion he doesn't like the light he doesn't like the lights and then they run off and turn the machine up which oh no i can't see and then he steals that yeah right um Nixie Geisman is, is is photosensitive like I am. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah, so so just real quick, maybe someone needs to make a recut of the film where every single line he delivers after he's been roided up, aside from turn on the lights because it hurts him, hurts his eyes, or can I drive, should be replaced with stars. I'm not doing it. <laughs> it should be it should be like a TikTok filter if you watch it in TikTok. <laughs> Down with the kids it, there, aren't you? It's, it's, it's just stars. <laughs> but it's not the one from Resi 3. It's the crappy one from the games afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, really yeah, yeah. One, so it's not the actual one. So yeah. broom through stars, let's see. Have you noticed that whenever Satori is on screen, every other time you see her, she's either got a white stripe in her hair or a fringe, and it keeps going on and off. So one thing I'll point out, right, they grab Satori, Geisman grabs Satori and throws her into the into the thing to lock her in, right? Did you notice he did a cheeky boob grab as well? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's it. If you right? did it quick enough, grab. you do it Which quick I, enough, no one will notice. I, I'm not advocating, by the way. I'm just saying yeah. that's something that I noticed. Bop, bop. You know. That's it. So, yeah, she, her hair keeps coming up. You have a long strand of white hair and then a fringe, and it goes from having those white... It, it's not even to do with when she's possessed by Geisman. It's just it shows up randomly, the white yeah. bits. I get the feeling that perhaps her scenes had to be filmed over a number of weeks and that they kept losing the, the wig that she was wearing or just replacing it and hoping no one would notice. What else have I got? I've got the Disco Dancer as the Rock. Yes. Um, and I just keep making notes about this is a dystopian future film for kids. And yes. if you take away the Double Dragon name, it is a dystopian disaster movie. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you, like I've said before, if you take the the license away, right? This is going to be think, something that I wrap up with later on. Is that if you take the the license away from it, and it is just two teenagers go on an adventure, take down a big bad guy. It's a brilliant like rainy afternoon, rainy Saturday afternoon movie to put on for the kids. You do some popcorn, you throw the movie on. There's something there for everyone, and there's loads of there's like fart jokes. Um, there's there's jokes about being someone's brother. There's jokes about oh, ugly and homely. That's quite funny. You know, there's all sorts of jokes. And there's that cool, there's the thing that they do when they, instead of high-fiving with the fists, you know, he's designed for kids. And I absolutely, that, a movie by itself like that, is actually pretty damn good. If you don't go into it thinking it's a video game movie, he's actually really good. It's it's actually bordering on a dystopian future film, but it's it's also a feel good film as well, which is really odd. Yeah. It's 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 really light like I said earlier on, my big my biggest problem with it is there's no universe building. It's really light on those details that led to why the earthquake's happening, why is this happening, why is that happening? But for a family friendly silly movie for a Saturday afternoon, you don't need those details. You need the details of he's punching him, he's kicking him. Now he's giving him a nuggie. Now he's rubbing on his head because it's kind of silly. Now he's sitting with that girl. Oh, he's going to kiss her. No, he doesn't. Yay. You know, it is that perfect for an 8 to 12-year-old boy, stupid movie from the 90s. So another thing I've got here is Double Dragon, or is this Escape from New York with elements of Robocop and the Fallout game? Because you've got a curfew, you've got oxygen, you've got black rain, you've got fog. Mm-hmm. I thought nuclear fallout the minute they said fog, but it's not. Yeah. So, and, and what apart after that is what's next? Morality laws like Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no drugs, no women, no alcohol, no, no cigarettes. It's all outlawed. Well, that's something I want to point out, right? For an action movie that has, yes, admittedly, a stupid rocket launcher scene where they fire the the rocket that couldn't possibly have been on, in, or around the jet ski because it's just too damn big. Aside from that and the explosions, there's no guns, right? Which I think is kind of refreshing for, you know, a movie that you can sit down and watch with your kids. Um, there's there's only one death, but then it's required because it's a character death. It's a yeah, character-driven exactly. death, right? Satori dies. It's the only person who dies. No one else actually gets... It progresses a revenge plot, doesn't it? Yeah, right? And And... and and no one really gets injured. It is a perfect kids movie. There's really no huge stakes in it. Yeah, all right, Jimmy goes missing at one point. Yeah, all right, they need to get the double dragon. And yeah, all right, Satori dies. But you've known Satori for a grand total of about 30 seconds. So you're never going to connect with her as a viewer. So I think, it, honestly, a lot of people attack this as, this is this movie's terrible because it ruins Double Dragon. And I'm like, just watch it without the word double. Just think of it as, because like Double Dragon in the video games is meant to be Jimmy is a dragon and Billy is a dragon. They are the, martial arts the two of have, yeah. yeah, the two of them are dragons. Therefore, they are the double dragon. Whereas in this, it's the medallion. The medallion is shaped like two dragons. If you go into it with, it just happens to have the same name. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a wonderful kids movie. And that's the thing. A lot of the negative comments I've seen about this movie, like it has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, why? It's a perfectly fine, silly action movie. I I went into it because I, I watched it yesterday. I, I, I don't have it. I like to watch it to make notes. I went into it thinking, I remember this being cheesy as hell. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it and I thought, I've got a newfound appreciation for this film because 
it's not like it, it tries to take the story of Double Dragon seriously, mm-hmm. but it takes everything else with a pinch of salt. It's not serious. Yeah. And that, that adds to the, the fun to it. It's it's even fun. But where this movie succeeds, where other video game movies fail, is that the big action sequences are really well filmed. It's not oh. just like a crappy green screen. You see green screen once, but apart from that, you've got stunt guys. There's there's a lot of care and effort put into it. The cinematography is pretty good as well. You know, some of the sounds, you've got the classic fart sounds and what have you. You know, it's just really well done. It's not sort of a, let's do a cash grab. No, it's really well done. Do you remember when movies were fun and they didn't have to be realistic? They didn't have to have realistic character um, progressions. Things like the eight, it's it's an 80s action movie that was unfortunately filmed in the 90s. If mm. it had been made in the 80s, it would have sold like gangbusters. But in the beginning of the 90s, right after Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1, People started wanting to see realism. Plot. The needed yeah. plot, yeah. Right? Whereas, like, Commando would never have been able to be made in the 90s. Uh, Cobra would never have been able to be oh. made in the 90s. Because there's no storyline to him. There's no character progression. It's just a collection of stunts and explosions that are connected by people saying words, right? And that is essentially... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is essentially what Double Dragon is, except it's aimed at kids. So it has the silly jokes like he makes a fart sound because they force feed him spinach or he bashes open a gumball machine and he falls over the, 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 the balls of gum or he's throwing basketballs at him because he doesn't know how to fight. And the guy jumps off of the really tall thing, splats on the floor, and they make the silly joke of this is the fastest I've ever seen the mail delivered. You know, it is designed for kids. And if you go into it with a, oh, I'm Johnny grown up and I'm really, I'm super serial gamer. And I'm a, what I hate this term, but I'm a hardcore gamer and I'm super serious and I play games on hard and I'm the best at everything. And it's like, if you go in with that attitude, you're going to be, you're going to have a terrible time. I remember I got about halfway through the film and I was like, I still don't get what this movie is about. And Squidward was like, just stick with it. And you'll have a good time. And you know what? I did. There's parts of the plot that don't make sense, but it was still enjoyable to watch, right? Mm. I still had a good time watching it. It's it's one of those where if you know what Double Dragon is, you've still got to suspend that disbelief because you, yeah. you, you're putting the story into a game where it's going from left to right and beat people up. It's very hard. Like, like, like anything based on a video game, you're not going to please everyone. Do you know what? Right? I would not be surprised if it was actually written in the 80s but it took until the nineties to get the rights for the game. Mm. And then like, it was just, it was written as a, you know, it was written as two teenagers lose their guardian. Essentially it's karate kid, right? Yeah. Or any other kind of movie where, you know, you have this, you, you were taught by someone, the teacher dies, you have to go alone. That is essentially what it is, right? It's, it's the, the farm boy story. It's essentially star Wars episode four, right? Uh, and, and yeah, because Ben dies and Satori dies and the whole thing, you have to believe in yourself. And that's what they're taught throughout the movie. You have to believe in yourself. Yeah. Just believe in yourself and you'll do it. It is essentially that storyline. Just don't give up. Keep going. Yeah. Believe in I would, yourself. Yeah. I would not be surprised as if it was written as a, we need, to, I don't really have a title for it. I know that there's these two medallions and they have to come together. And there's this guy who, like, Vin, like Geisman doesn't exist in the drag, in the double dragon law until after the movie comes out. They kind of retcon him into the series of games, right? So my, my working theory is, it was written in the 80s as a, this is a generic kids action movie that we can make and it'll be kind of silly and kind of fun. Don't have a title for it. I'm going to use Jimmy and Billy because they are the sort of 
I was going to use Johnny and Billy because they are um, American names, old American heroes, but they have to be Asian for some reason. So Jimmy and Billy fits better. And then, uh, and it's going to be very much like the Warriors, like Squidge said. And I'm going to write it and I'm going to just going to leave it for a few years just to sit and see how it does. And then the Double Dragon series of video games kicks off and it becomes huge and it gets re-released on all the home consoles. And then somebody goes, well, why don't we take that property and that movie and make a movie, right? We can make some money. If we attach it to the wave of this good feeling around this video game, we'll make some money. And I, I am willing to place money on that being how this movie was made. It's, it's definitely a movie in the wrong decade. Yes, it's um, in the nineties. Films, if you watch movies from the eighties and then into the nineties, yeah, they started using special effects and green screens very badly and stuff. But there was a lot more plot in movies from the nineties. They they put a lot more effort into plot and reasons and believable plot as well. Whereas in the eighties, I mean, the games in the eighties followed the same idea of movies from the 80s you know exactly. the president's been kidnapped to your bad and the president's been kidnapped by ninjas are your bad enough dude to go save him that's all you needed one paragraph less than a paragraph and you're off exactly exactly yeah right exactly in fact i'll i'll argue that the majority of arcade games they have stories but nobody pays attention to them because they're like well i just want to play the game and beat the guy push the button and flashy flashy lights that's greatly reducing the experience of the arcades but what i mean is nobody really cares tell me the story of pit fire you and i can t- can discuss it because we've played the console version of it but if you grab someone from the mid 90s and say okay go play this arcade game now tell me what the story is well what i got to do is i got to beat this guy up and i got to beat that guy up and then i got to beat that guy up they're going to be that guy up. And then eventually, I win. An illegal fighting tournament to the death to try and get millions and three people. Exactly. So exactly. Three, of your, three of your main characters go in. One of them's a wrestler, one of them's taekwondo, and one of them uses his fists and bows yeah. a lot. Hang on. And, and I will argue that the same could be said about almost any action movie from the 80s. The, you know, the, the, not necessarily the big budget ones, but, you know, the, like, uh, but but that that's that's the whole point, right? Everybody gloms onto this idea of it's got to be better because it's a video game movie. And I'm like, oh, no, it's it's just it's just a load of fun. Like the video game, it's a load of fun. Right? I've got I've got one more thing on my list that I think I'll leave you with, and yes. it's just an idea I had, right? And it it's sort of I had this idea when you had the power cord that was storming the building, where there's no loitering by punishable of death, right? Yeah, when they stormed the building, in, yeah, yeah. Right, where the skating and the storm, the building, what have you. And I thought about other scenes from the movie previous, and I thought a lot of the sets from the Double Dragon movie would make for really good Tony Hawk levels. Yes, they would. You're absolutely right. Hey, maybe that. You see, this will date the recording, right? But maybe that needs to be an unlockable set of levels for the Tony Hawk's reboots that they that they're bringing out. You know, the Double Dragon or New Lo- New Angeles or whatever. Yeah. But I just thought of that I thought when there was skateboarding, you had all those those things you could grind across, and there was mm-hmm. ramps, stairs, and jumps, and all sorts because of the Art Deco eighties. Clearly, Art Deco at the time of the the place, you know. I, I just care. thought, I just thought you could grind off that. You could do a trick over that. You could put skate all over the place, and I thought the other yeah. levels you could do the same. There was half pipes. There was there was rivers you could splash into. There was you know things you could jump over. You could do that air mill jump and land it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And collect yeah, a secret paper to fly down, you know. So my question to you, Squidge, as we start to wrap this up, right? 
if you could, from any time period of cinema history, if you could recast anyone in the film, who would you recast? If you could, you don't have to. You don't have to. If you think that the cast is perfect as it is. I would do one recasting, and this might be a little controversial, but I think, I don't know if it worked better or worse, but it worked better for me. Probably from a comedic stand- standpoint, the character of a Bobo, I would have Jesse the Body Ventura as a Bobo instead of the, that other guy. <sighs> I think that would just fit perfectly because he's a good actor, Jesse the Body Ventura, when you get him in the right movie. So him in Predator, brilliant. If you had that same, less laughing, but more sort of comedic serious and less Pair laughing. That up, right? Pair that casting up with the body like the body reversal technology that they use for uh, Captain America you've got yourself a bad guy a Bobo would be perfect that's it perfect you're done you change the only thing I can think of make that change change. movie's perfect that's the only change I can think of the other casting Billy yeah he can't do martial arts but then it's down to Jimmy to come save the day it kind of makes sense like if you I kind of ripped on the the actor did you say Scott Wolf or something like that. Give me a second. I'm just going to look it up again. Scott like, Wolf, yeah. Scott Wolf, right. So I kind of ripped on Scott Wolf for not being, at the time, a martial artist. And yeah, 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 but it kind of fits with the tone that they were going for. They needed the the silliness. It couldn't. Yeah. You can't have an all-out action movie all the time because the kids will get bored. Oh, he's going to punch him in the face again. Right, he's done it now. What's- you need that that balance of good and bad. So Jimmy's a really, really good martial artist, but he lacks the street smarts that Billy has. Yeah. That's so it. you need the sort of like the yin and the yang, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, um, you need that, that offset or it wouldn't work. Prime example, when, um, Superman was first being played as a, a radio show when it was, when it was first made, mm-hmm. they invented kryptonite because people were getting sick of Superman winning all the time. Yeah. So you had to have a weakness. So they invented this green glowing rock called kryptonite. You can't have good with. If you have an easy sailing film with no struggle, what's the point? There's nothing to overcome. It's 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 what I call the sonic screwdriver gambit, right? There's this MacGuffin. Yeah, there's this MacGuffin in the in the newer Doctor Who um, TV shows, right? I say newer because a lot of people don't realize it goes back to like the sixties, but mm. in the newer episodes from the David, just before the David Tennant era, um, anytime they get stuck, Christopher Eccleston, Christopher Eccleston. Thank you. Anytime they get stuck, he just takes out this magical MacGuffin, waves it about the place and everything just gets reset. It might as well be a one from Harry Potter. Yeah. Right. Essentially. Exactly. Cause it right. never not works. You wave it around and it just fixes everything. It's the deus ex machina. Yeah, I'll, lock, I'll, I'll get money out of an ATM. I'll hack a yeah. card so I get infinite funds. You know. Yeah, exactly. I'll but fix the TARDIS. Without that, exactly. But without that, yeah, the, it wouldn't be as the people who enjoy it wouldn't find it as good. So you've talked about your your dream casting. We talked about swapping the guys who the two guys who played Abobo for Jesse the Body Ventura, right? So we still have it. I'd like to come up with like a scale. We're not reviewing the movie, right? Because we don't review things on the show and the website. We just kind of discuss them. But I think it should be one out of three ratings. Okay. What are the three ratings, Chris? Middle one, watch it. Best one. So the best rating, love it. Yeah. Worst rating, fling it into a tree. 
one out with three. That's it. So, okay, right. So we're going to do this for two things, right? As a generic action, kids, family, silly, stupid movie, one to three, would you rate it? What was it? Absolutely hate it. It's middle of the road and no, sorry, fling it into a tree, middle of the road and definitely go watch it. Um, it was it was fling it into a tree, try it, uh, watch it, and love it. I I actually love it as a generic action film because okay. it, it it's got it's got a bit of everything. It's got influences from all over the place. So anyone who's a serious cinephile will see where all of the influences came from and be able to pick up on it, like I did. I'm not a serious cinephile, but I've seen a lot of films and I can see where they got the inspiration from. Yeah, and and if you're able to pick up on these, a serious cinephile will likely see other references to other movies, right? Okay. So then what about as a as a video game movie, right? Not so we're gonna do this across three different categories, right? As a movie by itself, you love it. As a video game movie, and the other one is as a double dragon the video game movie, right? So we're talking about the the, the the second and the third one are a little bit dubious because what I'm thinking is just as a movie about a video game. Right. Imagine that there was a video game that it was directly related to. Would it still be fun to watch? I'd say my my sort of grade on that, I'd still be love it because okay. it's it's giving a, a very considerably fleshed out story compared to other films to a game that's just move right and beat people up. It's it could have been a hell of a lot worse. OK. So what they did with the source material, given that it was released in the wrong decade, but still, I'd still say as a video game movie, I love it. Okay, fair enough. So then, and I'll give my ratings in a minute, but then the last one, right? This is potentially the 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 controversial one. As a double dragon movie. So as we touch on, <laughs> Just to explain though, because you jumped the gun slightly. As we talk about other movies, we're going to say like, if we did, I'm not sure whether we're going to do it, but if we did Tomb Raider, it would be as a Tomb Raider movie. If we did Super Mario Brothers, it would be as a Super Mario Brothers movie. So as a Double Dragon movie, as an entry into the canon of Double Dragon. Fling it into a tree. Okay. And you know that- as, as a Double Dragon film, it doesn't work. It's not enough, as you said, there's not enough universe building. As a video game movie, it works. Mm-hmm. As a generic action film, it works. Mm-hmm. As a double dragon film, you might as well run at a wall. Yeah, right. But then, but then you look at the source material, right? We talked earlier on about video games in the 80s don't need a story because the story for Double Dragon is your girlfriend gets punched in the gut, gets put over someone's shoulder, and kidnapped. And it doesn't say, it doesn't actually mention whose girlfriend it is, where, hence why you get to the end and you two play it, you have to fight for her affection. Exactly, exactly. And it doesn't, it doesn't say who, it doesn't say why, it doesn't say what the relationship is. It just says, your girlfriend has been punched in the stomach and kidnapped. Go rescue your girlfriend. That's it. Because that's all you needed. You don't need a story, right? So as a, this is an entry into the canon of the games, it's, I agree with you, fling it into a tree. But as a, this is a movie which represents video games, absolutely. Give it a try. At least I would give it the at least the middle ground. Give it a try, right? Because um, this this game has so many references to some of the things we see in video games and that we expect from a modern video, or at least a late 90s to, to contemporary modern era video games, the throwaway fun ones that we play, like Streets of Rage and stuff. It is essentially a Streets of Rage movie. And I was sat there thinking that. I was sat there watching it going, 
throw in a female protagonist. Oh, wait, there she is. You've got Streets of Rage. Swap one of them for the Duke of Deliciousness. You've got Streets of Rage. It is the Streets of Rage. Jimmy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Jimmy is the Duke of Deliciousness, a.k.a. Adam, right? It's a shame that um, Marion doesn't actually fight in it. I think she kicks once. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, right. And then ties someone up with a cut-up whip. That's it. Exactly, right? So as a movie that has the the idea and the feelings and the themes of video games, I think it's definitely worth a try. And as a movie, just take the, take the, take the license away, take the idea that it's somehow related to video games away. An I, action film. Yeah, as an action film that is for slightly younger audiences that doesn't really have a huge amount of peril, that has a lot of silliness for someone, for a young boy who is somewhere between the age of five and 13, this is a wonderful way to spend an afternoon. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would say I love it. It has to be, it should be watched. If you have a little one who is between the age of five and 13, maybe not if it's, I I don't want to jump into the gender politics, but if you have a, a little one between five and 13, Set them down and see if they want to watch it. Because I think there'll be enough there to keep them entertained. It will keep them entertained for an hour and a half. I mean, and it's not even a long movie. It's an hour and 24 minutes, right? So, it's, yeah. It's one of those that at every age between nine, uh, between five and, let's say, 12, they will find different things funny. Yeah. yeah. They'll, be, they'll pick up on different things each age because it's like, the age of maturity, you'll pick up on different things. It'll be the fart sounds, and then it'll be the big guy. He's quite laughable to laugh at. And then as you get a little bit older, you'll realize why there's peril, what they're fighting for. Then there's the whole thing of, you know, the the police chief calls the power car terrorists when they're the people trying to bring everything back into it. You'll understand, you'll, you'll get to understand the reason behind it, sort of like the politics, if you will, behind it, why they're fighting, why they're trying to bring everything back. So it's, it's each each age of of ch- child will pick up on different things, and if you say watch it, like when they're five, and then again when they're six, and when they're seven, they'll pick up on a lot more, and they'll tell you different things about the film because they'll run to you and go, "I remember this, and I didn't see that before," and you know. Case in point, right? Case in point, it must have been some other martial arts movie that we watched around that time, right? You know, there's that almost like a double team move they do with your link arms, and they fling the other one at the enemy. I thought I got that confused with a different movie where they link arms almost do-si-do style and then they stand on one foot and kick out and go around in a circle. I have no idea what movie it is from, but I I sat there going, I'm sat there watching it going, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. But it must have come out. But that's a perfect case in point of what you'd said, remembering different things from different movies at different times, right? I'm going to have to track it down. If anyone out there knows... Let me know, but it is a very similarly styled movie. But I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a video game movie, just a martial arts movie with two brothers. A martial arts movie with two brothers who have to take down a big evil. Do you know what I mean? It's a common trope. Are you sure it wasn't the Three Ninjas? It could very well have been. It could very well have been. You have they, they all get a name, don't they? And the youngest one is Tum Tum. The middle one does more of the running round. Uh, the middle-aged one. The older one does more of the high-impact fighting. I'm pretty sure they link arms at one point. Oh, it more, more than likely is. The, the problem is that it's a, such a 
I can't describe it in such great detail. And it's probably such a very generic way of taking down a circle of bad guys that no one's going to be able to likely tell me what movie it is. But that's beside the point, right? What I'm getting at is go try this movie. Uh, we found it on Amazon Prime. There is a version, or at least that we found, on YouTube as well. It's not YouTube movies. Someone's ripped it and uploaded it, but Sam don't, goes a bit iffy, doesn't it? don't watch that one because that's you know dubious legally. If you've got Amazon Prime, go watch it. Go source it somewhere else, some other way. Someone will have it for sale on eBay or Amazon or whatever. It is, if you can spend less than five quid on it, less than $7 on it, it'll be a wonderful afternoon. You put on this movie and relive your youth or put on this movie for a little one and they'll absolutely love it. It is ridiculous. It's brilliant. And I don't think it deserves the bad rep that it gets because everyone comes at it with, this is a video game movie and I'm super serial about video games. But if you can divorce that. It's a movie where you've got to take it for what it is. You can't deep dive it. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Take it for what it is. Don't analyze it. Just take it for a, a nice action ride. Exactly. Just like you would any other action movie, right? Okay. Let's just really briefly say this, right? Escape from LA, right? That is actually, it's a really good movie, but the setup for it is ridiculous. Yeah. Right? That was an earthquake as well, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, that, yeah. that was Escape no, from it, That was Escape uh, from no, escape, sorry, I meant Escape yeah, from New, New York. York. Yeah. Escape yeah. from New York, right? We put all yeah. of the criminals on an island and we lock them in. Mm-hmm. You have to go in and rescue someone. It's a ridiculous setup. Almost as ridiculous as the setup for Double Dragon. There's this medallion that gives you some super special powers and it just so happens that these two martial artists have one of the medallions and the big bad guy in the city has the other of the two medallions. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a yeah, it's a stupid setup, but it works as a as a silly 80s action movie. So go into it with that and you'll absolutely love it. So one last thing I want to say to you, Squidge. Would you recommend this movie to to everyone to watch? I feel like that's kind of I've already answered it for you, but I, I would recommend it to the um the people who played Double Dragon when it first came out. I'd recommend it to people who played Double Dragon went back to play it on the retro consoles. I would even recommend it to parents if they wanted to torture their children. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a form of cruel and unusual punishment. You're going to sit down and watch this movie and you're going to think of it as a Double Dragon film, not an action film or a video game film. You're going to try and analyze this for the plot i'll see you in an hour and 20 you're not moving and then you get an hour and 20 to yourself so it's it's a good action romp and it's a cruel and unusual punishment i think (laughs) okay fair enough i mean i wouldn't say it like that but yeah definitely go and watch it don't walk in with this is a movie about the video game double dragon just think of it as this is a silly martial arts movie about silly martial arts things and you'll have a whale of a time. And like I said, there's things there for kids. There's things there for adults. There's like I said, channel 69. There's yeah. um, Alyssa Milano constantly bending over and showing you a butt. Hips. Yeah. Right. There's the stupid, um, the stupid non-sexual tension, sexual tension. You know, it's, it is, it's, it is a brilliant movie. So with that being said, I would say go watch it and we don't know. We don't know when the next one of these is going to come out. Hopefully, it'll come out soon. But uh, yeah, we've got a long list of movies we want to talk about, and we're going to talk about them. So, with that being said, Squidge, here's some popcorn. No, uh, with that being said, Squidge, um, oh, nom, uh, nom. that's it. Om nom nom nom. With that being said, Squidge, until we talk again about video games or movies or video game movies or anything in between, I'll see you later, right? See you later. See you later, Squidgey. 
Just Jim, Jimmy Lee, Squeeze Lee, and Dairy Lee, but Dairy Lee couldn't make it. Surprisingly, yeah. lactose intolerant. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> Imagine that, being made of cheese and being lactose intolerant. Anyway. Right. Well, you should lick yourself. You'd be all right. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Help, I'm allergic to myself. <laughs> no. Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Dagay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.